welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Chapter 15 is one of our main texts this morning. We'll also be looking back into Romans chapter 14. You'll see why just in a minute. Um, You might want to go ahead and mark your Bibles as well to James chapter 2. So Romans 15, James 2, if you mark those two places, uh, that's where we'll be this morning. We're continuing our series, uh, Better Together. And what we've been doing throughout this series uh, is looking at all of the, as much as we can, all of the one another passages that we see throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, excuse me. All the one another passages where uh, the Bible uh, tells us how we are to love one another. All of this, I believe, is coming out of the command of Christ on the night that he was betrayed, uh, told his disciples, this new commandment I give to you to love one another. And so what we've been unpacking over these uh, last few weeks is what does that love look like as we bear with one another, as we bear one another's burdens. And this morning we will look at uh, this command that we see to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. So this is the way that we love one another. We are to welcome one another. And so as we begin today, I want to kind of ask a couple questions here up front to kind of get us thinking in this direction. Um, what is, how, how would you describe um, a friendly church? Maybe think for a second. How would you describe a friendly church? And, and then maybe take it one step further, and I want you to ask this question. Uh, so we're asking, what is a friendly church? I'm not going to give you a list right now. I'm just trying to get you to think in this direction, just in your mind. What do you picture a friendly church to be? Um, but let's take it a step further. What, what is a welcoming church? And is there a difference between the two? And, and then I want to ask this question, are we a welcoming church or are we just a friendly church? Have you ever thought about that before? Uh, friendly people, think about friendly people for a second. Friendly people aren't always welcoming people. Friendly people may huddle up with each other of what we call maybe holy huddles, uh, but never welcome others into their conversation, much less into their lives. And so when, when Paul is telling us here to welcome one another, there's this idea of not just being friendly to one another or friendly to folks that are around you, but to actually welcome them into our lives. And so there's a way, I believe, um, to be friendly, but not necessarily welcoming. And I hope and pray that we are a welcoming church and not just a friendly church. And so this is no, not a chastisement, but, but a challenge for us to be thinking in this way, uh, to ask the question, are we just friendly people? Are we actually welcoming people? Because as the people go, so the church goes. We must ask this question personally. Are, are, we, just, are we just friendly people? Are we welcoming people? And, and so we need to ask the question, how, how, how do others see us, others in our congregation and maybe others who, uh, who visit, who come and maybe are thinking about joining? How do others see us? Do they see us friendly or a friendly church who is also welcoming? On the other side this morning, I want us to see this. Not only do we ask how, how do others see us, but how do we see other folks among us? We're going to get that to that when we get to James chapter 2. How do we see other folks who are among us? In other words, not only how do others see us, but how do we view others? Do we see people as just prospects or actually people who need to see Christ? 
And then do we judge people who are among us uh, based on their status of whatever that might look like, socioeconomic, economic or whatever? Or do we judge people based on their potential? What do they have to offer us? Some hard questions and some really heart-searching questions, aren't it? At least for me it is. And so in our time together this morning, I want us to consider Romans chapter 15 and James chapter 2, and I think we'll get some help in answering some of these questions of are we welcoming people, just friendly people, and how do others view us, and how do we view other people? And so point number one this morning is going to come from Romans chapter 15. So point number one, big heading number one, is welcome those the Lord welcomes. You probably heard that at the one another statement in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. It says, welcome, and there it is, the one another, we are better together, another one another passage. Welcome one another, how? As Christ has welcomed us. And so when we get to Romans chapter 15, verse 7, you'll see how that verse starts. Do you see it there in your Bibles? Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Before we get to the welcome one another, do you see the first word there? It's therefore. And and so when we see a, a verse start with therefore, we have to look back and see what's building up to this. And so this is the conclusion to Romans chapter 14 and 15, to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And so Paul has been building up to this application. So welcoming one another is the application for this church in Rome, building up to this point, to this point of application. And so we want to look back to the other passages to see, to get an idea of what it means to be welcoming. Look at Romans 14, verse 1. So go up. You heard me read this a moment ago. It says, For as the one who is weak in the faith, do you see it there? Welcome him. Welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. And then it goes on in verse 3 as they talk about what they're quarreling about. We're going to mention that in a second. But look at the end of verse 3. It says, for God has welcomed him. So I, I want to point that out to you to kind of see the bookends of Romans chapter 14 and Romans 15 verse 7. That Paul is talking about how we are to welcome one another, the stronger brother and the weaker brother. And then the application, the point of application that he ends all of this with is welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And so who are we to welcome? If we are to be welcoming people, we welcome those the Lord has welcomed. But do you see what it says here that we are to welcome those who are weak and also those who are strong. The one who is strong is not to look down upon the weak. And the one who is weak is not to get in the strong. We are to welcome one another. And what does that look like particularly? He says it right off in verse 1. To not quarrel over opinions. To not quarrel over opinions. And the opinions that this church is struggling with are opinions about food and festivals. Christ has come to fulfill the the law and and they're still struggling of whether or not they can eat this food that's been been offered to to, to idols, this meat that's been offered to idols. Some that that the Bible calls weaker in the faith believe uh, this food has uh, been condemned and therefore they don't honor the Lord if they partake in this food. And, And you may be able to think of some applications. There are some things in our culture that people might participate in in a way that is honoring to the Lord and and the weaker brother said, you should not participate in that. But the, the other brother said, we can participate in that because we have a liberty of conscience. So, so maybe you've experienced that before among groups. Is there some things of opinion that we argue over? And so they were arguing over whether we could eat certain foods. 
and whether we needed to celebrate certain festivals. Uh, maybe not just things like the Sabbath, certainly the Sabbath, I think that is ongoing, but other festivals that the Jews were to celebrate. And so what Paul is saying here is things that are a matter of opinion, he says don't break fellowship over that. Because Christ has welcomed the Jew and the Gentile. Christ has welcomed the weak and the strong. So, so don't unwelcome with your quarreling. Don't unwelcome with your opinions those whom Christ has welcomed. Now, now, now we, we need to make a, a remark about this, that, that, that we're not talking about things that uh, deal with orthodoxy. Uh, some theologians have broken this down. Just follow along with me here uh, into, into three tiers. Um, they call it the, the theological triage, some of them call it. That, that the first tier issues are things that pertain to the Christian faith. Uh, things like uh, Jesus is, is God, the divinity of Christ. Uh, things, uh, their salvation through Christ alone, uh, by faith alone, by grace alone, according to scripture alone. We would consider some of those, those, those truths things that either make you a Christian or make you not a Christian. Things in terms of orthodoxy. Then there's second tier issues, things that might divide denominations. Things about uh, the appropriate application of baptism or something like that. There's, there's things that might cause other brothers and sisters to worship in different congregations. But, but what he's talking about here are things that are matter of the conscience, things that not, aren't necessarily sinful, but people have elevated to the point of breaking fellowship with one another. Uh, today, it might not just be food or festivals. It might be things like that, but it might be things like eschatology might be a, a third tier issue. That if we go around, there might be different things that people believe about the end times and how of all that unfolds. And, and that's nothing we are to break fellowship over. That's a, a matter of maybe conviction and opinions, but not necessarily a matter of orthodoxy, as long as we believe that Christ will return for his people. And so Paul is saying here is to not unwelcome one another by quarreling over opinion. So a friendly person who quarrels over things that aren't necessarily things of orthodoxy or matters of opinions that brothers could agree to disagree on a standard fellowship, is an unwelcoming person and is not displaying the glory of God in the local church. And so the bottom line is that each of them is seeking to honor the Lord, not in a sinful way, not participating in sinful things. Look at verse 5 of chapter 14. So each is seeking to live for the Lord. Look at Chapter 14, verse 5 of Romans. It says, One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. These aren't matters of orthodoxy or necessarily sinful things. These are a matter of personal convictions. The one who observes the day observes how? Do you see it there? In honor of the Lord. And the one who eats, eats how? In the honor of the Lord. And since he gives thanks to God. So the one who eats meat is honoring the Lord and by not eating meat, the one who is meat is still honoring the Lord by the way that he eats. And while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Verse 7, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then... Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Here's what he's saying. You're all, you're all the Lord's. Christ has died for all of you. Christ has welcomed all of you. Don't be unwelcoming by breaking fellowship over 
these issues. Verse 9, for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, the, the Lord of both the dead and the living. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Here's what he's saying. The way that we welcome one another, we will give an account for the way that we love one another. And we will give an account for the way that we welcome brothers. And we will give an account for the quarreling over opinions that we have to break another brother down. So, so here's what Paul's saying. He, he goes on to say this. He says, do not destroy the work of God among you. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died, we see in verse 15. And he also says, do not destroy the work of God among you. So, so what are we after? We're, we're not trying to destroy the work of God among us. Look at verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, for the sake of opinions, destroy the work of God among you. Okay, so how do we destroy the work of God? By building up walls that God has torn down. The, the Bible says that in, in Christ, Ephesians 2, verse 14, you can write it down and, and cross-check me later. Ephesians two fourteen says that Christ came so that God would accept both the Jew and the Gentile. And so the gospel is able to break down the dividing walls of hostility. Jew and Gentile, strong and weak, rich and poor, must reflect this in our relationships with each other in the church. And so the work of the Lord, the work of Christ to tear down these dividing walls of hostility, what Paul's getting across here is don't undo the work of God by building up these walls that Christ came to tear down. Don't undo that work by the way that you quarrel with one another on things that are simply matters of opinion. And so how do we pursue this? We don't pass judgment upon one another, the Bible says. And whoever serves the Lord, verse 18, does this. Look at verse 19. So let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. And so this doesn't mean that the weaker brother demands the stronger brother to conform to his convictions, and neither does it mean that the stronger brother flaunts his freedom to discourage his weaker brother. Both pursue what? Peace and upbuilding. And so understand the application here. If we are welcoming people, if we are a welcoming church, we don't build up walls that Christ has torn down. Instead of building up walls, listen to me good here, instead of building up walls, we seek to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then you will know that you are a welcoming person. And then we will know that we are a welcoming church, not just a warm and friendly church, but a church that seeks to build up whoever the Lord has placed among us. As we bear with the weak, as we deny ourselves even certain freedoms so that our brothers might be built up. To welcome, I said this a minute ago, means to bring one another in. To not stand aloof or cold, but to bring someone in warmly and to bring someone in closely. 
Not just to be friendly, but to actually bring them in. And when you're bringing them in, you're not quarreling. You're seeking to build them up, not throw walls up that Christ has torn down. And then the Bible says in verse, 15, verse chapter 15, verse 7, Therefore, welcome one another. How? As Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. If we want to see, let me go ahead and jump to the final application here almost, and then we'll go back and say a few more things about James chapter 2. If we want to see the glory of, who wants to see the glory of God displayed among us. I hope it's all of us. If we want to be changed and transformed, the Bible says, do this for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Sinner. We prayed it in Psalm chapter 5, didn't we, even this morning? It's through his abundance of steadfast love that we enter into his house, that we enter into his presence, that he draws us near. Welcome one another. Welcome those who Christ has welcomed. And don't unwelcome them by dividing over opinions. And don't unwelcome them by the way that you treat them. Don't unwelcome them by throwing up walls. Welcome them warmly and see that you might build them up in Christ. So we welcome those who may think differently than us on opinions that don't pertain to orthodoxy. We welcome one another in that way and even those who look different. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. So we welcome those. That's big point number one. We welcome those who Christ has welcomed. And point number two that I want us to see from James chapter 2 today is we welcome one another without playing favorites. Friendly people can still play favorites. Friendly people can still form holy huddles. And this doesn't mean you can't have close friends. Jesus had a close group of friends. He had three particularly that he hung around. So it's not a matter of having close friends or whatever it might be. But, but are we just friendly or are we welcoming? So point number two, welcome one another without playing favorites. James chapter 2, here's what he says. He says, my brothers, James, the brother of Jesus, my brothers and sisters show no partiality. As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Verse 2. For if a man wearing a gold ring, in other words, a rich man comes into your fellowship, with fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, hey, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand somewhere over there or sit down at my feet... Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and have, been become, and have become judges with evil thoughts? Remember what Romans 15 says, we will give an account for the way that we treat one another. The glory of God will be displayed among us by the way that we treat one another. So even if we judge each other with evil thoughts, with condescending thoughts, with thoughts of partiality, that's a problem. Verse 5, he says, listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are not they the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, he says in verse 8, you shall love your neighbors as yourself you are doing well. Verse 9, but if you show partiality, 
you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, before we get into James chapter 2, we have to go back again and see what he is talking about. Look at James chapter 1, verse 27. Here's what he said. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself, what, unstained by the world. And here's what we need to see about the sin of partiality that James talks about in James chapter 2. The sin of partiality, the sin of favoritism, the sin of welcoming one another but still playing favorites is a way, even today, follow along with me here, that the church can slide into worldliness and to be stained by the world. The, The world makes distinctions in those ways. The world makes distinctions based on rich and poor and all of these other distinctions that we make. And Christ has come to to level those out. As, As one pastor said, there's level ground at the foot of the cross. And and so if favoritism makes its way into an assembly, our assembly or this assembly that James is talking about in James chapter 2, what James is saying is, is that's being stained by the world. That the world has made its way into the way that you do things. And so favoritism is a common way the church slides into worldliness. The world loves to honor the rich and neglect the poor. And James is saying that the church, if it's not careful, will honor the rich and neglect the poor as well. And look just like the world. He says to not show favoritism for faith and favoritism are completely incompatible. And so he begins to take this illustration about how a person walks in and we give them a place of honor and a poor person walks in and we give them a a place of disregard. And in the world system, you honor and respect and treat people well who can benefit you the most. If we're a friendly church and not a welcoming church, we might be friendly to folks, but we start putting maybe price tags on their head. What do they have to offer us? What can they do for us? Instead of asking, how can I build them up in Christ? We start to look at people of uh, maybe of, of their wealth or whatever it might be and say, how can they benefit us the most? Instead of saying, how can I welcome them as Christ has welcomed me? And many times in churches, it can be the rich that have the most sway. And we're not saying that you can't be rich in in wealth and rich in faith. There are plenty of people like that in our world, and we are thankful to God for them. But we cannot look at people, and just because he's saying here they have wealth to give them a place of honor, that disrespects and dishonors God. Poverty does not equal spiritual strength, but neither does riches equal to spiritual strength. Now, a rich person can be ungodly and a poor person can be ungodly. Those are two things that can be true. But we are not to judge people based on their bank accounts, based on their clothes, based on their looks, based on whatever. The world does that well. The world divides well. The world's going to divide us so well over the next year we got elections coming and all sorts of things. The world will be divided more than we've ever seen. Do you think the world needs to see a unified people around the cause of Jesus Christ and say that's what unity looks like? 
I think that would bring glory to God in our world. And so that's what the Bible is saying here, to, to, to welcome one another who comes into your assembly without showing favoritism, without playing favorites, without committing the sin of partiality. And why is that? Let's, let's give some points here. Uh, we welcome one another without playing favorites. Why? Because as Christians, we have different standards. We don't share the same standards as the world. We don't look to the outward appearance, but we look through the eyes of Christ, and it is Christ who looks at the heart. It is Christ who made the poor things of this world rich, and so we look with the eyes of Christ. So we have different standards. And the truth of us that many of us work hard on meeting the world's standards, and we judge others based on their ability to meet the world's standards instead of the kingdom standards. And the kingdom is not, Romans chapter 15, about eating or drinking or days or festivals or any of those things. It's about honoring the Lord. So we ask the question, are they honoring the Lord with their lives? And so we have different standards, so we don't play favorites. Because our welcome should not depend on status. After all, how has Christ welcomed you? Based on your abilities? Based on your status? Based on what you could offer a kingdom? Hey, I see that guy. He could really do a good thing for the kingdom, so therefore I'm going to save. No, 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 no. We are, while we were still enemies of God, he died for us. While we were still eating the pig slop as the prodigal son was, the father was calling and waiting our return. We have different standards, and so we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Because if our welcome depended on our abilities, we'd all be damned. But we have different standards. We are saved by grace alone because Christ has welcomed us. So welcome one another in that way. So we have different standards. Our standard is Christ and he gives us his righteousness. Our standard is his righteousness only received as a gift. We have different standards. We have to display that by the way that we welcome one another in our midst, whether rich or poor, well-dressed or poorly dressed. And we are captivated by the glory of Christ. What captivates us should captivate us as a church is not status and worldly status or looking like the world or looking comfortable or having things just so. We are captivated by the glory of Christ. And he tells us here, church, the way that we display the glory of Christ among us is not the way our facility works, not the way our programs run. Our display of the glory of Christ comes in the way that we welcome one another. And so we won't show favoritism because we see Christ's supremacy over worldly wealth. And we see the one who is full of glory, who is rich in glory, and that's what captivates us. And so we welcome one another without playing favorites because we have different standards. We welcome one another and without playing favorites because we're captivated by not things of this world. We're captivated by the glory of Christ. And we are a welcoming people because we are amazed at the grace of Jesus Christ. And this is the testimony of Scripture that God has chosen to show his grace greatly to the poor. To those who suffer with physical needs, and most importantly, to those who acknowledge their spiritual need, the poor in spirit. So similar, James is saying here that neglecting the poor, we're neglecting the grace that lies at the heart of God. Because even as he says here in verse 13, it's mercy, it's grace that triumphs over judgments. And so our aim shouldn't be to honor the rich in resources, but the rich in faith, and ultimately the one, Jesus Christ, who is rich in glory. 
Because 2 Corinthians chapter 8 9 says it like this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. For your sake he became weak, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So welcome one another in that way. And so we don't show favoritism toward one another because we have different standards. We don't show favoritism among one another because we are compelled and captivated by the glory of Christ. We don't show favoritism to one another uh, because we are amazed at the grace of Jesus Christ that Jesus calls the weak and the sinful and, and the ones that are messed up. And we don't show favoritism among one another, number four of point number two, because we are thankful for our status in Christ Jesus. The scripture says about us, brothers and sisters, we were not wise from a human perspective, we were not powerful, and we were not noble in our birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. That God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 29. God chose Israel because they were not the greatest nation, but because they were the smallest of people so that God's glory might be displayed among them. So it is with us. So do you show partiality? Do I show partiality? Not just you, but me. I'm asking myself this question. I'm preaching at myself. Maybe ask yourselves this question. What grabs your attention about people? How they look or do you seek their hearts? And do you welcome them warmly? How do you show, do do, do I show partiality? So do I show partiality? What grabs your attention and maybe use this test, use the sit-by-me test, as I heard one person say this week. That, that was a sit-by. You sit up front and you sit in the back. Who do you allow to come close to you? And you start to get uncomfortable when that person gets close to you. Maybe you're showing partiality. How do you think about other people? Not just how, what do you pay attention to and who do you invite to sit by you, but what are some of your thoughts? Are there evil thoughts about people? Like, I just wish that person would go away. Or what do they have to offer us? Maybe you're showing the sin of partiality. So the final thoughts. Welcome those who Christ has welcomed. Welcome those who Christ has welcomed. Point number two, James 2. Don't show partiality when you're welcoming. Final point conclusion today. Not only welcome those, at, welcome those who Christ welcomes. Point number three. Welcome as Christ has welcomed you. Welcome as Christ has welcomed you, not only among us, but even beyond these walls. So how has Christ has welcomed us? He has welcomed us boldly. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and find rest. He has welcomed us boldly. He has welcomed them graciously. It was the prodigal, I think of the prodigal son when I think about the welcome of the father. It was the prodigal son who had squandered everything. And it was the prodigal son who came home and said, perhaps my father will welcome me and forgive me. And there he goes running home and he finds that his father was looking down the road of him and he meets them on the road while he was still a long way off. Our God has been gracious to us. Do you remember when God called you by his grace? 
when he opened your eyes to see his grace, when you felt the welcome and embrace that not just did you know who God was, but he welcomed you. He did not stay aloof, but he brought you near and embraced you and loved you and put that robe on you and covered you in his righteousness and you felt the weight of sin go off of you and you felt the glory of God in Jesus Christ and you knew that he had welcomed you. Welcome one another in that way. And the glory of God will be revealed among you. We welcome each other generously. It was the father who killed the calf and spread the feast because the son had come home. He gives us everything that we need. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's nothing we lack as Christians and nothing that we will lack. He will provide everything that we need because our God welcomes us generously. Welcome in that way. Final point, know this. That this welcome will display the glory of God among us. Final thing I want you to know this morning is that his welcome is transforming. His welcome is transforming. And so when we are faced with fellow Christians and others whom Christ has welcomed and we were caught maybe in addiction or people who were just difficult to exhibit unrelenting attitudes of judgment and superiority, or seem to be caught in circumstances that will never change, our inclination is to just walk away and say, we have done all that we can do. Maybe you've said this before, they will never change. Why bother? And yet the echo we dare not imagine would that be of the son saying, Father, you've done all you can do. They'll never change. Why bother? If God would do that to us, we would all perish. And he didn't say to us, why bother? But he humbled himself to the point of death, death on the cross. How grateful are we are for the welcome of Christ. It transformed us. It changed our trajectory, not only in this life, but for all of eternity. We were headed for a life of eternal damnation, and now we are headed for a life of eternal glory. It changed everything about us. Because he did not walk away, but he drew near to us, not staying aloof from us, not staying at a cool distance from us, but he brought us in for the glory of God the Father. So you too are to welcome each other in that way for the glory of God. Let's pray that that would be so among us.